2016, my partner and I lost our baby at 22 weeks into my pregnancy, which was catastrophic kind of for me, for us, for the children that we'd already got. It was just huge. And he was born on the 3rd of December and I was then back at work in time to do my Christmas shifts. And it kind of became quite apparent quite quickly that I wasn't really functioning very well at work after that. I remember thinking, I shouldn't even be here. I should be on my maternity leave. I can't help you. And I just felt like I couldn't give anything to the people that we were supposed to be helping because there was nothing left of me to give. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. So today's interview is with Heli Walters. Now, Heli is a former detective constable who spent a considerable amount of time in child protection before some really difficult personal tragedy gave her the motivation and the impetus to look elsewhere for another role. Now, Heli talks us through the moment that she saw this particular role with the Care Quality Commission and how she got quite excited by the fact that she could immediately see how her skills and experience mapped across to this particular role. Now, in this interview, she also talks us through the application process. She talks us through the interview and the style of questions for interview. She gives us the theme that uh, she had to do a presentation on. She also talks us through that moment when she received the phone call to say that she'd been successful. Throughout the interview, she gives so much value and so many hints and tips that I promise you will get so much information. It's worth sitting down with pen and paper. Um, but just on a personal level, you know, Heli has done so much for the Blue Light Leavers group. She's offered so much help and support, and I'm really, truly grateful for, for everything that she does for the group. This is a brilliant interview. Let's go over to Heli now. So hi, Heli. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed on the Blue Light Leavers podcast. It's really good of you. And um, I know this, uh, this will be of huge interest to a lot of people. I have absolutely no doubt. And, um, you know, really active member of the Blue Light Leavers uh, Facebook group. You help a lot of people through that as well. So I'm, I'm really grateful for doing this. Thank you for asking me. Not at all. Um, so should we just go into a little bit about who you are, what you're currently doing, and then we'll talk about your, your former career. Okay, so I'm currently an inspector for the Care Quality Commission, um, which is essentially it's Ofsted for healthcare. So it's the government's independent health regulator. Um, And at the moment, I'm working under the health and justice team um, on a brand new program on behalf of the Home Office, um, which has been set up to um, inspect safe houses for survivors of modern slavery um, but that's literally just within the last month so at the moment we're not out and about inspecting currently we're just doing all the preparatory work at the moment um, and prior to that the role that I actually left the police for was um, again as an inspector but for adult social care um, so I was managing a portfolio um, of different services uh, like care homes, nursing homes, agencies um, some rehabilitation centres and uh, carrying out inspections and monitoring of those services. Amazing. And um, now prior to that, you, you had quite a sort of considerable career in the police, didn't you? You were there for a few years. And can you just talk us through your policing career as well? Yeah, I was a police officer for just short of 15 years, 14 years and eight months actually. Um, and the majority of that was in public protection, so mainly in child protection. Um, but I did um, 
minimal amount of uniform role in um, in my probation. And then almost straight away after my probation, my force was going through quite a significant restructure. And that meant that I went into CID almost straight away, which um, kind of ruffled some feathers of the old sweats. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, wanted. sure. Probation is in. He didn't know anything about anything, but actually, it was a really good introduction because I learned so much from from this sort of wealth of experience that was there. Yeah, and I stayed in then in the investigatory world. Um, went on and did my D's, um, and then kind of moved into job protection. Probably after about five years in the job, and that's really where I stayed up until I left. Definitely, and um, so. What was actually your reason for wanting to move on then? What was it that, that you, you know, obviously you, you'd done really well, a really interesting career, and, um, you know, spent a, a really long period of time doing what you were doing, child protection. That's got to be incredibly challenging, but what was it that, that actually made you want to move on and do something? Well, it was, and that was part of it. Um, I think it's really important that I don't want to be kind of overly negative about the police. Um, I was really, really proud being in the job like all of the people that you've spoken with um and i met some amazing people you know like friends for life did some really good stuff did some really awful stuff um did things that i never thought i would do kind of um had some really great achievements on behalf of victims of crime um but the running theme for me throughout the police and i've definitely noticed that since i've left is that there is really a massive lack of support and a real lack of genuine kind of recognition of officer welfare um, and that wasn't on an individual basis for supervisors that was like a cultural thing so well we're the police so we just get on with it and I think that no one no one wants to put their hand up and say I need some help I'm struggling um, I need some time out and I think that was especially um, in child protection um, and kind of as an example of that as a team, we dealt with um, some some really serious injuries to a really small baby, and we knew that those injuries weren't survivable. So obviously, we stayed on late. Um, but by the time we finished our shift, um, he was still alive. And then we went into rest days, and we heard nothing then um, except um, until we found out on social media that he died. Um, and there was no contact from anybody at work to tell us that. Um, and then <coughs> by the time we got back into work after rest days, one of um, the officers on the team approached a supervisor and sort of said, is there, is there any support for us? Is there anywhere we can go? And that was just kind of met with a blank look and, and a shrug and, well, you know, this is child protection, this is what we do. And I think that really is a good example of the general culture that we just get on with things. Um, so... That, that was kind of, there were times where I needed a bit of a break from child protection. It has a shelf life. Yeah. Um, and I came out of it for a short time and did a job swap with somebody. I went into CID and they went into where I was at that point, which was in the child sexual exploitation team. Um, and it was brilliant. You know, I had a team again. Um, we went out to jobs together. We approached everything as a team. We had a laugh. And it was kind of like how, how the job used to be for me. And it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. But I've been thinking this over and, and the kind of, the way that I view child protection, it's not very nice, but I view it like a scab that you need to pick. 
you know you shouldn't you know it's not going to be good for you but you can't help it and I had to go back that was the way that I, I felt about it it was the place where I kind of fitted in the best um so I finished my my time in CID I, I was only there for a few months and I went back into child protection sort of straight back into the deep end um, and just kind of cracked on as I was before and then um, in 2016, um, my partner and I lost our baby at 22 weeks into my pregnancy, which was catastrophic kind of for me, for us, for the children that we'd already got. It was just huge. Um, and he was born on the 3rd of December, and I was then back at work in time to do my Christmas shifts, which now was not the right thing to do it was entirely my choice there was no pressure on me to do that but I didn't really know what else to do with myself um but like I say it wasn't the right thing for me and it kind of became quite apparent quite quickly that I wasn't really functioning very well at work after that um so I'd cry on the way in I'd cry on the way home I'd probably cry while I was there I remember sitting in child protection conferences, so sitting around these big tables with all these professionals and these families that needed support and just sort of thinking, I shouldn't even be here. I should be on my maternity leave. I can't help you. And I just felt like I couldn't give anything to the people that we were supposed to be helping because there was nothing left of me to give. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I just can't imagine what you've been through. It's um... Yeah, and thank you for you know for being so open about it as well, Ali. It's um, you know a lot of people would definitely relate to. Well, it's just it's a huge part of of me, I, I guess. And I was able to sort of with a really really good friend of mine, I was able to put my hand up and say, "This isn't working. I need some help." Um, what I wanted at that point was potentially a project role or something where I wasn't public facing, but I was still productive. I wanted to do stuff. Um, I wasn't really supported in that. That wasn't an option that was available to me. Generally, I think the response was, we'll just go sick. Um, but I wasn't sick, so I didn't want to go sick. I wanted to be at work, but it was just kind of um, a difference in opinion and what was available and what I needed. Um, they were able to kind of create a role for me. Um, and actually, I managed to get some counselling at that point as well which started off as grief counselling, but kind of merged into me giving myself permission to acknowledge that the job wasn't where I needed to be anymore. It wasn't the right fit for me. Um, and then there was somebody at work made a, almost like a throwaway passing comment about, oh, I know loads of people have gone to the CQC. So I had a look, looked them up on their, um, their website, um, there were some vacancies for inspectors and I just completely connected with it. Everything I read, I felt I could do that. That sounds brilliant. Yes, that's definitely me. I really want to do that. So I filled out the application form um, and then just a couple of weeks later, I was invited through to the next process of the um, next part of the process, um, which was to be held in London. And then literally three days before the interview, I found out that I was pregnant again. And it just, it completely pulled the rug out from under me. And I, I knew I can't focus on this interview. I can't do anything. I've literally just got to stick my fingers in my ears, close my eyes and just get through 
whatever this pregnancy is, is going to be. Um, so I withdrew from the process um, and I just got on with what I needed to get on with. Um, and our little girl was born in February of 2018. Um, everything was fine. So I thought, I'm okay, things are better now, but I still don't want to go back to the job. I still need to do something different. And I started having a look around, um, tried to write a CV. It was terrible. Um, had a look to see what was available, but there was nothing that really fitted um, there was actually, I think somebody recently on the page has just got a job um, like this. There was a, um, a liaison, point of liaison for a big contractor or um, highways company. Um, and they were police. But again, that didn't really fit for me. Um, there was an investigations manager for a mental health hospital. But they were looking for someone with managerial experience, which I don't have. Um, so I just thought that's not for me either. And then I just happened to look again at CQC and they were recruiting and it was like um, like it was meant to be, I, I guess. Um, so, yeah, filled out the application form and again got through. Um, and that was that. Brilliant. I mean, it's just such a brave story. And, and um, you know, I'm so so happy that, that everything has, has gone well for you. And, you know, since that point, and it's, you've done so well to be at such a low point, and um, you know, to have to make that decision as well of, of um, sort of deciding not to go through with the original application as well for, for the sake of you and Nepal and, uh, and everything else, and the kids as well. So, you know, amazing, amazing story. Um, could we just talk about um, your application process? I'll just go through that. So, what I'd like to do is just find out a little bit more about what it was with regards to the role itself and where you could see your skills and experience mapping across to that particular application. Okay, thank you. So the application process itself was, it wasn't a CV, thankfully, because as I say, I wasn't very good at that. I didn't at that point know where I could go to get some help with that. It was just a, an application form where they asked for things and you then filled out the boxes. Um, it was actually very similar to a lot of the stuff that is used in the police. Um, you know, give us an example of this. Tell us how you've done this. So it was kind of easy to do. Um, and then following on from the application form, the, the next process was a three-hour written test uh, followed by a 10-minute presentation and then uh, a competency-based interview. And they were all to be held on the same day. Mm. The written test, okay, no real issue with that. Um, the presentation was probably the bit that blew my mind the most because that's not me. I'm not, I'm just not, I've never done it before. Um, I'm not a particularly um, extroverted person. I'm not one of those life and soul kind of people. So that took a lot for me to, to get my head around how I was going to do that. Um, and then the competency-based interview, really familiar from, from policing. So I just prepared as much as I could for that. I, they didn't have the competencies anywhere, so you had to kind of extract them from the questions that they'd asked. Mm. Um, and I just sat and I, I mainly came up with two or three examples um, for each of the competencies that I thought there would be. Um, a lot of them were obvious, things like decision-making or um, dealing with conflict, that kind of thing. And I wrote them out on crib cards and I just practised them over and over and over again until I had them 
well, as much as I could be sure, in my head and ready to go when I was asked the question. Okay, that's really interesting, actually. And so the the competency-based interview mm-hmm. and um, where they're looking to map across those skills, were you given in advance, were you given an idea on, on the types of questions that you were going to be asked? No. So um, CQC has a set of organisational values um, and I... Um, head now things like caring teamwork responsibility so I tried to kind of think of examples of scenarios where I've dealt with incidents or or worked on jobs or whatever where I could craft an answer if you like that related to those values um, and they were pretty sure they were the kind of things that came up okay and so you said you you were practicing those so you were just basically so you wrote them out crib cards you had your examples um, how did you go about mapping across your skills and experience to those examples? So if they were looking for something for, you know, I don't know, dealing conflict or, you know, an example of when you've communicated, um, you know, effectively or something along those lines, just really simple. Um, how did you go about mapping that across from policing to what they were looking for? Well, I just, I, because all I knew was policing, so I just had policing examples, um, but I tried not to make them complex or, or all about policing. But that, like I say, that was all I know. So there wasn't really much else that I could could do. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head, though, I think, because it's, and this, that's the point I was trying to get to, really, it's that, it's being able, it's that ability to be able to, Give your examples, give your skills and experience and your examples of what you've done in a way that is relatable, I think, isn't it, to, to the type of role that you're going for. You could very easily go down the jargon, very detailed, police-orientated response. And, I, you know, I've, I've found, you know, you probably know I do a lot of interviews just just because uh, because I know it's going to help other people as well. So if, as long as I keep interviewing, and, and then I know it's going to help others. But I think the skill is being able to, um, almost de-police a little bit, give enough evidence and experience, but without going too detailed or too jargon in terms of policing. I think I was lucky because the type of organisation that CQC is, as a regulator, it mirrors policing in lots of different ways. So we're looking for breaches. We're looking for where people have gone wrong. We're trying to identify um, solutions to problems. We're working with people. We're working with people under stress, under pressure. You know, we turn up. Nobody really wants us there. Um, people are always slightly defensive. Um, the majority of people who use the services um, are vulnerable or they have specific needs. So it, it is relatable in that in that way. Yeah. I guess it's a lot of the yeah. examples worked. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. It really is. And what I love about it as well is the fact that you you just felt it was right and. And I think that's really important as well as you're reading through job spec and you're looking at a particular role and you go, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. You know, I've got the experience of that as well. And I can, yeah, I can, I can do this. And you, you do sort of almost get a bit of a warm and fuzzy. You know, you get quite excited about it and think, actually, there is no reason why I can't do this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Um, can you remember what your presentation topic was? They, they give it to you. Um, and it was something really dry, um, like... Um, tell us how tell us how you would demonstrate our values in your role um, well yeah it wasn't it wasn't anything sexy or particularly interesting no 
No, that's that's tough. And how long was it? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, which doesn't sound like a long time, but <laughs> it yeah, is. dry subject like that. That'd be, that'd be difficult to fill, but uh, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so you went through that process, Helly, and um, uh, at the end of the interview stage, right at the very end, what? How was it left at that stage? Um, that I would hear from HR. I mean, it's a massive. Um, countrywide organization so it was literally just a panel um who did the interview in Birmingham that time and I would hear from them in due course is how it was left yeah and how long was it before you heard anything uh probably a couple of weeks I was on the beach when they rang um, oh really so yeah. talk us through that talk us through that phone call <laughs> um we'd taken the kids away for the, for the summer holiday um and yeah, they just rang and I had to try and find somewhere quiet so I could hear. Um, yeah, they just said, we'd like to offer you the role. And I was completely blown away. Wasn't expecting it at all. I knew when I came out that I had done as, as well as I could. I didn't think I could have done any more. I'd got all my examples out. Um, actually, I was something that one of your other um, guests spoke about was taking information into an interview with them. Yes. Um, what I did, I took my cards in and I took a pen and a bit of paper. When they were asking me questions, I was writing them down. And I'd never done that before in the police. I, didn't, I felt like maybe it was frowned upon. Um, but they were fine with it. I sort of said, do you mind if I make some notes? And they said, no, it was fine. So I'd, I felt a little bit more in control because I didn't have to remember everything. It wasn't like a memory test. I was able to refer to the things that I'd already prepared. And I felt like that reflected well on me, like I'd, I'd done as much as I could to give them the best of me. Um, so, sorry, I backtracked then. So, yeah, no, no, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Because because yeah. I, I talk exactly about that, Ellie. So I, I always take notes and when you take bullet points. I've done it in every interview since I've left the police. And obviously now it's over Zoom and, uh, and Teams. So I have yellow stickies everywhere. I've got A4 sheets of paper with different bullet points and important you know, things around me. So absolutely, it's great to hear that. That's, that's really good. Thank you. Okay. So, yeah, I felt like I'd done as well as I could have, but I still didn't know if it was going to be enough because, you know, it's my first interview outside the job. Um, but, yeah, I've just I've managed it and I was so pleased. Um, and my other half had gone off to get ice cream. And when he came back, I was just sort of, Digging around, I've got the job, I've got the job. And then we were like, oh my God, what now? What do we do? Because yes, it's just got real. Yeah, it's such a shame, <laughs> isn't it? After all this time, really the only proper job I've ever known. Yeah. And it's a whole family, it's a whole culture. It's 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 so much of you, isn't it? Just yeah. to then think, oh God, now I've got to really take that big plunge. Yeah. So um and during that, because a lot of people are just, if I, I'm backtracking our fraction, just that two-week wait, it's pretty tough, isn't it? And um, did, they, did they say that they get back to you within a few days or did they say it could be weeks? Because at the moment, there's a lot of people who, me included actually, some interviews that I've been for, um, where they say, we'll get back within a few days and you don't hear anything. Um, honestly, I'm not sure I remember. Um, don't worry. It was literally just, you know, we'll we'll let you know when we hear. The way that CQC do it, they often recruit nationally and then they will fill the roles when there's a space. I understand. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Because uh, that two-week period is pretty horrible as well, isn't it? That in between where you've been interviewed and you're just waiting to hear 
making sure you've got signal on your phone all the time. Oh, absolutely, it's, it's hideous. Um, amazing. So that 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 must have felt so good. And then you've been you've got to the point where it's been offered. You've come home from holiday, and did anyone know that you were going for it? Um, I don't think so. No. So. I was still on maternity leave at that point, you see. So. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Contact with anybody apart from a couple of friends. Yeah, sure. So the next stage, then, um, how did you go about making the decision to take the job? I think when I made the decision to apply, I already know. I already knew I was going to leave if I got it. The job was it ticked every single box for me, and there was so much of it that was special. Um, not so much now, but we work from home um, and it's all about flexibility. So although everybody seems to work from home at the moment, back then it was kind of a novelty um, and it was very much, you know, your hours are 37 hours a week, but if you need to go and do the school run or you've got a dentist appointment or whatever, it's fine. You know, it's flexible as long as you're doing your hours and doing your work. So there was so much of it that was attractive to me, especially coming from the police where everything is quite rigid and everything's decided for you. Um, So, yeah, I I knew that this was what I wanted to do. It was going to be worth the risk. And how did your other half feel about it? Um, Okay, I think he was perfectly supportive. I guess he knew what we'd gone through and and that I needed the change. and because of all the, the good points about the job, we were both of us, I guess, willing to take the risk. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant. Um, so were you um, still on maternity leave then when you handed in your resignation? Possibly. <laughs> I can't remember. I, um, while I contacted the lady that did our planning and asked her, how it would work and she was able to tell me how much leave and whatever I'd got left and I think I went I literally went back for one month um to you know tidy up loose ends and do bits and bobs and probably fill out that online form mm-hmm. but I don't I don't really remember and I think that's kind of a good thing because I was just uh, doing what needed to be done so I could leave <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so what was the reaction when you you told people you were leaving I think People were not surprised. Um, you know, before I, I got pregnant with my daughter, because of I wasn't I wasn't really like I say I wasn't really functioning very well, um, and all the team knew. I would say I can't go to any child death. I just can't go, and they knew that. Um, so they were kind of protecting me, if you like. So they knew that the writing was on the wall, really, that I was looking for other stuff. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't a surprise. I think people were excited for me, I think. Yes. Uh, and because it's it it sounded like such a good job, it was, yeah, great. Let's know how you get on kind of thing. Amazing. And um, last day? Uh, just a little bit strange because I'd come back from, from maternity leave. It didn't have a workload at that point because it had all been divvied out while I was off. So it was literally just things like, making sure I'd got rid of all my property and um, clearing out lockers, do you know what I mean? Saying goodbye yeah. to people. Um, 
yeah, I had a I had a little party in one of the offices and people came and it was nice. So there was there wasn't pressure really to to finish up jobs or write things up. So I was yeah. really in that respect. That's great. Um and did you have a bit of time off in between the roles or was it literally finished on the Friday, start on the Monday? How did you how did you start your new role? It was really quick. And actually it was two years ago tomorrow is the wow. anniversary of me starting my new job. Yeah, Great. I think I step on my leave at the end of maternity leave. Um, so yeah, almost finish on the Friday and start on the Monday. Mm. And so, talk us through that transition, and um, you know how you went into starting that new career and something that you, you you know you knew very little about, and obviously building those new relationships and um, and understanding the new processes that sort of stuff. How did you go about that? The learning curve has been absolutely massive, huge, and the role, uh, the scope of the role is so much larger um, than any of the inspectors that I joined with knew. Um, and we come from all different walks of life as well. So I was the only police officer, but there were some nurses, there was a couple of social workers. Um, so everybody had something different to bring to the table. Um, but it was very much like being almost like a kid and just starting literally from the beginning because because what I'd known was what I'd known for so long you know systems and language and everything was completely different so just approached it with an open mind and because I was happy it was a lot easier to do that um just I just wanted to learn and there's so much to learn and so many other people's experience as well so lots of nurses and healthcare people with clinical background so that's where I know I'm lacking so I'm um, much more comfortable with the enforcement side of it and the breaches of regulations and how we approach that, whereas things, clinical background things and skills that I don't have, I then go to my teammates for their support and their knowledge. So um, just being open to learning and being open to seeking help from people. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's brilliant. And I did the same thing when I left the police and... and um, you know, again, I think you have to have a degree of humility, don't you? You know, you can bring some skills and experience and knowledge, and um, you know, you can you can add value to whoever it is that you're working with. But having that degree of humility as well, to and you nailed it just by saying that. <clears throat> excuse me. That um, you know, you ask people for help if you need to. You 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 know, you don't just try and wing it. You actually say to people, "Can you just give us out of this? I'm not sure how to do it." And it's having that degree of humility as well. So, you can't know it all, can you? So no way. No, that's brilliant. Um, so what's happened since then? How have things gone for you since that point? You've, you've obviously been there for two years almost now. And, uh, so how's it, how's it gone? It, it's been brilliant and I've been really lucky actually. I have not regretted for a second leaving the police. There are things that I miss and they are the same things that everybody misses. I miss being part of that gang. Um, I miss um, the sense of humour that all the police officers have, that, that people on the outside don't necessarily get. Um, I miss uh, interviewing suspects and I miss interviewing children, but that's that's counterbalanced by all the other stuff that I enjoy so much about my job at the moment. Um, so I've just been really, really lucky. Um, like I say, I'm soaking up all the knowledge as much as I can. I make mistakes, I hold my hands up. Um, but yeah, brilliant. And then um, I only applied for this role that I've currently got because it popped up on our 
um, recruitment page. I wasn't looking to leave adult social care. Um, it just came up. And again, it was one of those, I could do that. That sounds amazing. I'd love to do that moment. Uh, so I just applied on a, not on a whim, but I just thought, why not? Let's let's give it a go. I've got nothing to lose. Um, so yeah, I've just been really lucky, I think, not to have regretted it. Absolutely. And can you tell us a bit more about this specific role now, this one that you currently do? Yeah, I can't I can't sort of go into too much detail about it because it's not all 100% decided and a lot of it is specific to CQC and won't necessarily make much sense unless you know about the way that CQC works. So okay. it's um we're not regulating the um, safe houses because they're not providing a service that we regulate. So we're just doing this on behalf of the Home Office, but we will go out and inspect against our usual standards um, just to make sure that people have access to support that's consistent um, across the country um, and is safe and is what they need on their recovery journey, really. Um, But yeah, it's really early days at the moment. Sounds really exciting. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, So for anyone that, that... Might be obviously it's a difficult time at the moment, um, you know, with COVID, and, and um, there's a lot of people that, that are going to be losing their jobs at the moment as well. You know, it's a tough time for a lot of people, and there's a lot of competition out there as well. Um, but for anyone that may be coming towards the end of the service, for example, or people who just at the point where they they have to leave, you know, they need to leave and move on and do new things. Um, any, any nuggets of information, any help, support, advice, anything like that you'd offer them at this point? I think the only thing that I would say is kind of be brave, really. Give it a punt. What have you got to lose um, by by giving it a go? Um, I think that police officers are so used to dealing with things outside their comfort zone that they don't realise it. Um, so I know you've asked me to do this before and I've, I've always have resisted because it's it's outside of what I'm used to and I said I'm not a particularly outgoing person and I'm not used to blowing my own trumpet or whatever so but this kind of experience of leaving the police and starting something new has kind of prompted me to do those things sometimes that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable um because why not um so, yeah, there's no, absolutely nothing to lose by putting an application in for something or going to an interview. And if you don't get it, it's all experience, isn't it? And it's it's good to know for next time where you might do something differently. And in terms of roles at the CQC, um, is there a, a website or is there anywhere that, where people should go to, to see what's out there for them? Yes, if you look at the normal CQC website, there is a link um, that will take you to their live mm-hmm. vacancy. Um, the inspector's roles come up quite often and the way that the CQC operates is under a number of different directorates. So adult social care is one. Um, and then we have hospitals and primary medical services, and that will include things like GPs and pharmacies. So there should be um, a niche, if you like, somewhere to fit most people's experience or background or interests. Um, and they recruit fairly often um, because, as I say, it's a national, well, it, it's England. Um, so there's always jobs coming up. It's definitely worth looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And um, are there a number of offices dotted around the um, around England? There are. So there's offices in uh, the main offices in Newcastle. Um, there's offices in London and Birmingham and Nottingham. But 
all inspection staff work from home as a matter of course. Um, so you are provided with all the equipment that you need. Um, and then in normal times, there's the opportunity to have regular kind of team meetings and one-to-ones. And that's actually something that has completely taken me by surprise here. I had, without fail, every single month, a one-to-one of an hour or more with my manager, um, which never happened in the police. Um, it was literally a tray check when the sergeants had got time to do that. But it is completely the other way in CQC. Um, it's all about kind of well-being and support and collaboration. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a breath of fresh air for me. And salary-wise, Helen. With, with, I don't want to know what you're on, obviously, but from a salary perspective, that you know, for a lot of people, that uh, can sometimes be something that holds people back. Um, and um, so, how does it how does it compare? Well, I was going to say it's a, a public sector job, so I mean, the salaries are, are on the internet. It's um, it was comparable. It was almost the same money for three hours less. So we work thirty seven hours a week full time, as opposed to forty. Um, and then obviously because you're not paying into the same pension and you get a couple of minor benefits for homeworking and car allowance, top it up slightly. Um, so it's comparable, if not better, in terms of take-home pay or top whack PC, as I was then, DC. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Um, what an incredible interview. I know you, you were so um, unsure about doing this. <laughs> And um, I know I've been nagging you for ages because I knew it was just going to be such a great story. Um, I'm so grateful. I really am. And you do so much in a group as well. You know, you, you've offered so much help, support to people. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, you know, I really do genuinely appreciate it. And thanks so much for, for doing the interview as well, Ellie. I know, you know, exactly so. I know it's outside your comfort zone. But so many people are going to relate to, to you know, some of the circumstances that you've been through as well. And it's just so inspirational to, to you know, from where you've been and where you're going and the direction that you're heading. It's, it's amazing. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, that's all right. I'm, I'm really pleased to have done it, actually. Um, but definitely I'm not kind of a high flyer. I'm not a manager. I actually don't have any particular qualifications. So I suppose I may um, resonate with a lot a lot of people. Well, I hope I will. Um, just you absolutely will. General bobbies or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah absolutely will. Thank you so much. Um, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I think my profile is just Helen Walters. Um, it is. That's a good way to find me. Yeah, fantastic. And um, yeah, and obviously with the Blue Light Leaders group as well, people can, can, can contact you through that as well. Can you, I guess? Yeah, I'm always happy to speak with people. And if I can help, I will. I don't always get Facebook messages. It's a little bit... Um, temperamental isn't it facebook messenger but yeah, yeah. linkedin is usually good because it, it tells me when i can't message Helly, thank you so much incredible interview and um i really look forward to catching up again soon thanks ever so much i can't thank Helly enough for her time today and um you know she was really uncomfortable about doing this interview but i knew a little bit about her story and um i just knew that it was going to be so relatable to so many people um So I really hope you got a lot from that. If you like what you've heard, then um, please subscribe, share it with your friends and uh, hit five stars and please leave a review because that way it then gets noticed by other people as well. And don't forget, you can also go to the uh, website, which is www.bluelightleavers.com. You find loads of information there, some freebies. 
and um, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye-bye for now.